everyone, I'm Maria, and this is MK We Did It Again. MK We Did It Again are bite-sized mini-sodes that share portions of our conversations that ended up on the cutting room floor. Because while we do our best to stay on topic, we do in fact fail every single time. This week's mini-sode was cut from episode 3, SAD in the PNW. Like, I, yes, seriously, I really, I have concern, and I don't know if you have, like, the same, if these thoughts have come to you, but I remember talking to you when I first found out I was having a boy. I think you were one of the very few people that I told mm-hmm. I was having a boy, because it was, like, a secret, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And, like, these fears, and, like, oh, yeah. this man culture, and raising raising a a man and like and I had been so in like so many different conversations about like you gotta teach them to stand up for themselves and to fight and to do this and to do that and first off I don't fight like I don't fight like that it's not my style Mm -hmm. (laughs) but like I was really thinking more like uh it's I think of if I think of a, a pop culture reference, which isn't really pop culture because this movie was made in the 90s. Um, I don't know if you ever watched <laughs> Friday. Did you ever watch Friday? No. <laughs> it, you know, it's one day watch it. Um, it's I feel like it's just one of those movies you have to see. I really only like the first one. Um, and it's I mean, it's cliche in a lot of in a lot of it um, in terms of black culture or how media portrays black culture. But there's also some really great moments. And at the end, there's like this, this, I'll call him a bully for lack of better words, but there's like an antagonist in the story that everybody on the street, everybody on the block is afraid of. Mm-hmm. Um, and all this turmoil happens and whatever happens. And at the end, there's like this fight scene where our, our lead protagonist male um, is going head to head with this dude. Mm-hmm. And, um, he pulls out a gun on this big antagonist dude. Right. Mm-hmm. And his father, um, he's thinking about a conversation with his father. I don't remember if it happens in the moment or if he's having like a slight flashback when it happens, but he's talking about like, we don't, that's not how we solve our problems ultimately, which as he's working through this, the gun gets put away and he like, he knocks the dude out. He like punches him in the face. Now, like mind you, I don't mm-hmm. need to do the, the punching either. But, like, Mm -hmm. we are in a society, like you said, our country's a little interesting with their gun culture. And so, like, if my son is to stand, like, to get into a fight like that, like, he may be coming in thinking, like, we're going to throw some swings. But, like, what do they come? I'm, like, I I did juvenile justice uh, counseling for youth who'd been Mm -hmm. touched by this system and who, like a group of 10 people jumped a kid or they pulled out a weapon or they pulled out a, and I'm like, do I really want to set my son up for being in that? Like, and so I had like all these fears and I, I still do. And I, I, you know, before my dad passed him and I would actually talk about it because he talked about like back in his day, you get into a, a altercation with somebody, you 
beat the crap out of each other and then you go get a drink Mm. (laughs) and I was like but they're not they're not going to get a drink like someone's getting shot (laughs) Mm -hmm. someone's getting stabbed someone's family is getting attacked somebody's home is getting attacked it doesn't seem to just stop and I'm like I'm I believe that violence begets violence it just leads to more of it and so um when we say go get that mouth guard, like I'm really talking to all the people who really think that violence is always the way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's how we're losing our babies too, right? Like that's how we're losing a lot of either because somebody feels like they have the authority and the superiority and the privilege to take someone else's life. Um, or they've been so beaten down and torn apart that they feel like the only way to really live is to go. You know, to finally be free. And I'm like, those are two extreme ends of the spectrum of life that no one should ever feel. I guess. And I I think when you told me your fears about having a boy, I could really relate to them. You know, for different reasons, though, right? Because we have very different Mm -hmm. backgrounds and our kids came out very different ways. But... When I found out I was having a boy, I was terrified because I was having, I you I thought he was going to look just like his dad, right? Mm. Blonde, blue eyes, which there's nothing wrong with looking like his dad. Obviously, I like the way his dad looks. It's He's just very that. good looking. So <laughs> It's just that he, I was very afraid of being a brown woman raising a white man. Yeah. And having no idea how to do that because I I don't have, you know, those are different opposite ends of a a spectrum. Definitely. I I have a completely different life experience than a a white cisgendered male is going to have. And I was so scared. And you know what happened? He popped out looking just like me, which is so funny. <laughs> no, <laughs> my my second kid is actually the one who's super pale blonde and <laughs> just the the more white presenting child. But I and you know, I'm working with my son because I still he's still like right now I'm treating it like he's going to identify as a cisgendered male mm-hmm. until he tells me otherwise. And I I'm working through him with feelings. I don't want him to bottle them up. I want to make sure that he tells us when he's feeling upset, that he doesn't feel like he has to hide anything, that when he is upset, the acceptable response isn't to go punch something, yeah. like release, express it in aggression, right? And yeah. it's so, it's funny because this little dude, he's got so many feelings. He's <laughs> full of them. And I'm just trying my best to push back against, you know, everyone gets that message when we're younger. Like boys do it some one way. Girls are supposed to do it another way. And I'm just trying to break out of that and, and not tell him, no, oh, stop. Don't cry. Like, don't be sad. Like, you're not sad. I'm trying, you know, to not make him feel like an inconvenience and to make him feel like his feelings are okay Mm -hmm. and that he can express them in a just a manner that's not going to (laughs) cause a a blow up uh, 
implosion, like bottling them up until they, they have to be released one way or another and most likely violently. Yeah. I I mean, I, I, I in the pre-COVID world where I actually got to see a bit more of you and see how you interact with your child, like, I, I, I come home and I talk to my mom. I'm like, man, I hope I'm able to do that. Like what you do, like you, you know, like just the way you engage and the way you call out things without making it a big deal so that he can acknowledge and use the words to be like, oh, that's what that is. That's what that feeling is. Um, and it was just a, such a beautiful thing to see. Um, and witness. And so I, there were many a times where I came home and I was like, man, I hope I can do that with, with my child. <laughs> Cause oh, that's so kind I of think, you to say. I feel like I have a more of a, a blow up nature. I don't, it's not, that's not right. Cause I, I, I don't do that. I'm actually very calm and, and uh, very centered with my child, but there are moments where I'm like, Oh my God, kid, like, get your shit together <laughs> oh trust there are moments like that, that is not un- unfamiliar in this household but I, I mean I love the way I love seeing the way you handle I I look forward to seeing the way you handle the two because that's a I know that's a completely different dynamic than one uh, like uh. my son gets a lot of my energy because I only have one you know mm. and yeah I have a whole lot in my life going on that as an adult and as a working human and as a student and as a whatever like there's a lot going on but my my primary concern and focus and an energy maker that goes directly to my child and so I'm really just, like I don't want him to grow up to be a, a dillweed to humans mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um I want him to grow up and be um, just emotionally aware of himself. Mm-hmm. I was just, ta- again, I talked to my colleagues about a lot of things and we were just talking about like, we talk about some heavy things, um, especially as we start talking about equity, inclusion and race and da, 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 like all these stuff. We talk about heavy things, mm-hmm. um, but we are not emotionally intelligent human beings. Mm-hmm. And so we have an emotional response to certain things and it can look a lot of different ways. And then we just assume that when we stop feeling that way about a thing, that we've worked through our feelings. And we <laughs> haven't. We really just like either we've become numb to it or we, um, we remove the feeling from the conversation and then just make it like a very statistical method, like a methodical conversation or I don't even know. And so I was just like, I was telling this person, I'm like, you're feeling vulnerable. You're feeling this thing. I have my privilege. And when we talk about it, if I'm not made to like, if I don't feel vulnerable in those conversations and made to feel a certain type of way, then I feel like I've lost my humanity a little bit. Because I have to recognize my privilege and that it does come out and there is an impact and it's what do I do with it? And it's in that vulnerability that I process through to figure out what to do with it. And I just think I'm still on such a learning. I can put it into words and I can at least put it into words. There are some people who are like, oh, I don't even it's not a blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, we have a problem if it's not a blah, blah, blah. Like you need to feel that. And so we like. We forget not only do we want kids and adults to be able to put 
words to the emotions. But we want to teach them how to to work through them in a healthy manner. And I think, again, that's where you get the mouth guard, right? You Mm -hmm. go see somebody who can help you. And I'm going to be honest, they're not perfect at it either. They're human. Mm -hmm. um, And they're still figuring their stuff out too. But together, you can figure that out and figure out what are your, your coping mechanisms, your healthy coping mechanisms what are yes, your healthy healthy coping mechanisms <laughs> the we have a lot of <laughs> our society got a lot of vices <laughs> so what are your healthy coping is coping uh mechanisms excuse me um what are your your healthy movements through not just your bad feelings but also your good ones because what happens when you don't feel happy anymore like what was the cause of that happiness and how can you recreate it without the assumption that somebody has to create it for you. Um, things like that. And I think that's where the therapy is really beneficial because you get to learn how to create the good feelings and recreate the good feelings through life on your own so mm-hmm. that people can only add to your happiness, not be your happiness. And I think that's a big difference. Thank you so much for listening to this mini-sode of MK We Did It Again. This podcast was recorded on Muckleshoot, Duwamish, Stilligawamish, and Coast Stalish land. Visit our website at mkletstalk.com and find us on social media at mkletstalk. Please rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in next week for a brand new full-length episode.